winter has gone by and we come to the spring. And chapter 11, verse 1 says this, In the spring of the year, at the time when kings normally conduct wars, David sent Joab with his officers and the entire Israelite army. They defeated the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now the first thing the narrator is telling you is, David is not where he's supposed to be. The entire context of chapter 10 is David is fighting a war. That's what he's supposed to do. He is the general of Israel's armies. Then the very next comment says, in the spring when all kings go out to war. And then the third comment is, but David stayed home. And that's very important. The narrator's told you three times. By the time you get to chapter 11, verse 2, or 1, that David is not where he's supposed to be. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. This is what all kings do. So basically it's saying, at the time when everybody in Congress is having meetings and cabinets and the presidents are all talking to their advisors and cabinets, Obama is watching Netflix and eating bonbons. It's just he's not where he's supposed to be. In the previous chapter 2, we saw Abishai doing verbing action. We saw David doing verbing action. We saw Joab doing verbing action. We saw all these people doing things. We've seen that in all these stories. But in chapter 11, everything drastically changes. There's a repeating verb that keeps going through this chapter. And what is it? Anybody notice it? Sent. The first thing you see is that David sent Joah. And then it says that David sent a messenger to find out about the woman. Then David sent for the woman. And then David is going to send for Uriah. And then David's going to send Uriah out. And then David, and this repeating verb keeps happening over and over and over again. And except for Bathsheba saying, I'm pregnant, and except for Joab reporting the news of what happened to Uriah, David's doing all of the action in this chapter. He is the primary subject doing all the action. Everybody is object. And that repeating word sent shows you what is really going on with David. This is an abuse of power. Everybody has become pawns on a chessboard to him. He has become very well. Think of this like the prima donna Mariah Carey. Like she is known for like being a prima donna and treats everybody like a slave. So she basically is always sending for this and sending for this and the water is not the right temperature. She sends it back for another one and all this kind of stuff. And she is reported to be like the most loathed person in all the celebrity world for how arrogant she is. Now I'm not saying that to knock Mariah Carey. I'm saying that, that that's kind of what's going on here. That's the idea, that's the image that's being presented. David has become powerful. He has become very comfortable. His empire is powerful. The Ammonites and the Armenians and the Mesopotamians all together were easily defeated last spring. And so now he's thinking, there's no reason for me to go out. This is easy. I'll just send somebody to that. And that power now thinks, oh, I can send somebody to do this, send somebody to do this. And he's reaping the benefits of the celebrity with none of the responsibility. And what the narrator's telling you right here is that this is the most important thing he wants to get across. 
David sleeping with Bathsheba is literally one line in the entire chapter. And what the narrator wants you to know is that the sin that is committed here is not adultery. That is a sin. But the sin that is being communicated here is autonomy and abuse of power. And everything else, murder, um, the, the adultery, everything is a symptom of autonomy and abuse of power. And that is the most important thing the narrator is communicating to you. Basically, I'm going to make my own laws and do what I want, follow my heart, and have it my way. Because I have the power to do that. And everybody else is for my purposes. And that takes you all the way back to the garden. Because it's exactly what Adam and Eve said. I don't care what God says about right and wrong. I've decided that that tree is good for us. And I'm going to do it. And this garden is for our purposes and our purposes. And it becomes autonomous. And this is important to understand because this is the basic root of human sin. We call it selfishness. The Bible calls it autonomy. That idea that I'm going to determine my own definition of right and wrong, my own definition of law, and I'm going to do what I want for my own purposes and my own pleasure. And in that sense, that strikes more to the heart. Because most of us probably think, yeah, well, this doesn't really apply to me because I've never had an affair. Because that's how it's often taught. Or I've never really struggled with sexual sin in any kind of way like maybe other people have. But what we have all done is become arrogant and prideful. And we've used other people for our own purposes to accomplish our... And maybe not in a, an abusive, like, I'm the president of a nation kind of a way, but maybe in my children are just my slaves to do my bidding because I don't want to get up and do something or, or I'm going to treat my friend this way or I'm just hanging out with these people because they, it's good for me and I'll find something else better to do somewhere else or all those different things and minor things, but still autonomy. It's abuse of law. And so this is the main sin that is being communicated. Everything else is a symptom. And you understand that's everything. Greed, overeating, um, gossip, pride, anger, frustration, all of those are a symptom of I want what I want. I'm going to gossip because that gets me attention and people like me because I have the juicy news. Overeating, this is about what I want. Everything is about I'm going to abuse my power, my resources to get what I want. And that's the heart of the issue here is what's being communicated here. It also, understanding that Bathsheba is not doing any of the action, causes one to reinterpret this passage as well. And that's important to understand as well. Verse 2, One evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. Now this woman was very attractive, and so David sent someone to inquire about her. And the messenger said, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now David can't sleep because he's not worn out and exhausted. He's not really doing anything. He's in kind of entertainment mode. And I'm not saying when you're like in total entertainment mode and you're not like physically exhausted, you can't sleep. But if you do that enough days in a row, eventually it will kind of affect your ability to get a good night's sleep. And if you have trouble sleeping, I'll just give you three daughters for a day and they'll wear you out. <laughs> I used to lie in bed for like an hour and I couldn't get to sleep because my brain was like Zzzz. and by the time I had my third daughter I like go to sleep no problem now. <laughs> but 
But I'm sure when they become less needy, I'll go back to that old thing. So, so when, when you're not physically active, when you're not busy, when you're not doing things, when you're just entertainment mode all the time, you don't really need that deep sleep and you become restless. And I'm not saying that's an absolute <laughs> guarantee all the time, but that's a, typically a thing that happens. There are so many things we've read into this story over the years. Remember, the Bible doesn't give us as much details as movies typically. We're used to like really detailed stories. And, and if you read a lot of like fictional books, like so, there's authors out there that are just incredible with their imagery and the details. And, and we like those kind of books and movies and all that kind of stuff. But the, the Bible's not narrative for the sake of entertainment, and it's not a historical record. It's making a theological point, and so it's not interested in filling any of your detail. But our imagination doesn't like that, and over the years, lots of pastors have fleshed this story out into something more. It doesn't say it's the middle of the night. It could be that he's just staying up late. It could be like 11, 10, 9 o'clock for all we know. It doesn't say that... She's completely naked on the roof. It says that she was bathing herself, and in Americanism, we automatically assume nakedness. But that's not true in every culture. It doesn't say she's out there flaunting herself in any kind of way. I've heard so many sermons where they're like, she was out there, that seductive woman, flaunting her naked body for everybody to see. Okay, it doesn't say that she like came to him and fell in love with him and there was this like romance story going on. It doesn't say any of that stuff. It says he saw, he sent, he took, she left. That's it. There's no narrative of details, no narrative of motivations, no time of the day, no what she looks like. Because the point is not this affair. The point is David's abuse of power. That's it. And the fewer details that the narrator gives actually amplifies the abuse of power even more. The more details that are given, then it becomes a story about that action. But when the details are very few and it's boom, 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 sent, 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 then that becomes more emphasized. Because remember, the point is not a narrative story to entertain, but a theological point that God is trying to make, and that is abuse of power is the sin that David is committing. So, yes, I know, and even me, like, I have all questions of what it was like. I mean, we want to know all that stuff, and there's nothing wrong, but don't put it in the text. First, you need to understand, there's nothing wrong with what she's doing. First, this is the Eastern culture, and the roof of your house is like a living room. And space is very limited, houses are very small, and when you basically only have rain two months out of the year, very sparse, and it's warm pretty much all year round, that roof makes a great extra living space. And so you've seen these movies like The Born Identity and that kind of stuff, and they always have these chase scenes in Middle Eastern countries across the roofs. And when they're chasing, jumping from roof to roof because they're all really close, and you see clothes lines up and lawn chairs and TVs, and because people live up there, even to this day, they make that a living space. So this is a very common thing to do. The other thing you have to understand is they don't bathe in the way that we do. This is the ancient world. They get very few, very little water. So their bathing is more like they don't bathe for cleanliness and hygiene. They have no concept of bacteria yet. They don't bathe for that reason. So therefore, this isn't a total immersion. They can't afford that much water just to immerse your body into it. 
and they can't afford to heat that much water. So a lot of times this is a wash basin or a teeny little tub that they'll put up on the roof because the sun will heat that naturally throughout the entire day. And so what they'll do is they'll go up there with ritual clothes on and they'll just kind of like sink bathe themselves. And it's not stripping down because they're highly more conscious of their physical nakedness than we are in our culture. And so they're bathing themselves. And the other thing you need to realize is it told you what time of the year is this? And what happens in the spring? All the kings go off to war. What should be true of most men in the city right now? They should be gone. She's a wealthy woman. She is Uriah's wife. Uriah is the bodyguard of David. He is one of David's mighty men. One of his, he's a co-worker. Which means Uriah is an elite. Which means he's high up in the city. Which means probably the only people that are above her are really wealthy noblemen. And they're all off to war. The other thing you have to understand is it tells you right here that she was bathing herself of her monthly uncleanliness. Now that's her period. She just got done with her period. Now why is the narrator telling you that? And the point is that there's the law said that when a woman was having her period in the book of Leviticus, that she was to bathe herself for the entire time of her period and seven days after that. Because remember, they didn't have hygiene products. They didn't understand bacteria and all that kind of stuff. So one, it was a cleanliness issue that they didn't know about at that time period. And two, it's also blood represents death. There's nothing wrong with a period. God designed it that way. But blood still is a symbol of death. And death makes you unclean. And not in a sinful kind of way, but just in a um, ritual kind of way. And so she's not allowed in the tabernacle during that time. She's cleansing death off of her. And, and there is. We know that. That's dead blood. And it can cause lots of physical problems if it's not cleaned out. And so the law required during her period and seven days after that. So why is the narrator telling you that? Two reasons. One, she's obedient to the law. Everything about this story shows you that she's obedient. She's on the roof at night, sink bathing with clothes on, which is part of the culture, and she's bathing herself because of her monthly uncleanliness. Because the law told her to do it, and she's doing it. Everything here is showing you that this woman is obedient to the law. Yet what we're immediately told about David is, at the time that kings go off to war, he stayed home. And that's the first thing the narrator wants you to know about each one of these people. That's important. The other reason the narrator is telling you this is, because a woman's period, and I know there is no normal, every woman's different, but on average, a woman's period lasts for around four to five days. And that's when your body's expelling all the blood. About four to five days after that, your uterine lining begins to thicken up. And then about four to five days after that, the egg is released from the fallopian tube. And about four or five days after that, the egg begins to implant itself on the wall. Of the Basically, from the time of your period, 10 to 14 days later is when you're most primed to conceive. You are more likely to conceive in that 10 to 14 day window than any other time in a woman's cycle. Five days of cleansing herself during her period, seven days added to that for cleansing afterwards. She just got done. Where does that put her? Right in the 10 to 14 day window. And the narrator wants you to know 
he couldn't have picked a worse time in a woman's cycle to decide to have an affair with her. And if you go into the New Testament, you can almost see Paul saying, the devil set him up. You see, there's a reason why you're tempted when you're tempted. Because that is the most prime time for it to destroy your life than any other time. The the demonic world knows your weaknesses. The demonic world knows other things that are going on in your life. And it knows that perfect timing that when it gets you, that it's going to reap the greatest consequences in your life than any other time. And if it doesn't, it's because they're just baiting you to get trapped in even more because they know something else is coming down the road to really screw you over. And David just played in the hands of the demonic world because it's, this isn't coincidence. And so the narrator wants you to know she's obedient and David's picking the worst time for everything. He's not off to war like he's supposed to. He's picking a woman to be with at the worst time in a woman's cycle to reap the greatest consequences. Things aren't going well. And though you don't know the rest of the story, the narrator's almost hinting you know she's going to get pregnant. Or the narrator would have never mentioned that. He is doomed from the very beginning. Now notice that the reason he's sinning for is attractiveness. And we know that he's already been collecting wives for that reason too. Then he sins for it. The servant comes back and says, now notice what the servant does. This is the daughter of a man and the wife of a other man. Because it's easy to objectify somebody when they're just an image. But when they become a very real person connected to a very real family with a very real emotions and very real life and background, it's a lot harder to objectify them. You still can. Lots of people do it, but it becomes harder. Especially if you're a moral person being tempted, it becomes less likely. So what the messenger is doing is actually fleshing her out as a very real person. But the other main thing is probably is there's consequences. There's a father to contend with. There's a husband to contend with. This is not an isolated event. Because remember, by now, everybody knows David. (laughs) Anybody close to him has figured out what his weaknesses already are. That does not take a genius to figure this one out. 